Welcome to the Future Church Podcast with Anthony Delaney. If this podcast helps you, forward it to others, give us a review and subscribe today. For additional thoughts and resources, visit anthonydelaney.com. So it's wonderful to be able to connect with my friend Josh Howard and um, to see your smiling face in India and um, we just had some uh, technological issues but I think we're kind of uh, we've cracked that now and uh, it's just amazing that we get to be able to connect with in these ways. Uh, Josh and I have known each other for whoa six seven years I would imagine something like that since we first met in Kenya and Josh leads for New Thing um, from India, but really across various Asian nations, and has become such a great friend. He was the spark, the impetus that enabled us to do the Today um, mission online just when COVID kicked in. We uh, felt, let's get the word out to as many people as possible, and connecting with hundreds of thousands of people with uh, evangelists preaching the good news. So all those uh, good things, and that's just the beginning. The best is yet to come. Josh, how's it going? Yeah, it's doing great, Anthony. Thanks so much, buddy. It's, uh, it's a privilege to be on here, man. I always enjoy our friendship and our, our partnership on mission. We've been able to do some really cool things together. So yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to be here, man. Fantastic. So um, for th- those of you know, people are going to know you if they've been at launch, you spoke at the, the most uh, last year's launch and uh, nearly set the place on fire, literally, as well as uh, <laughs> spiritually, throwing matches around. Our health and safety guys were like, uh, going to run up with a bucket of water and throw it on you, I think. But, uh, we, uh, <laughs> but you were like saying we need to get on fire for the gospel. And I know that fire is very much at the heart of the, the passion you have um, and that, you know, lots of your logos when people connect with you are going to be about that. Why don't you just tell us something a little bit about your story and, and uh, how did the Lord set you on fire in the first place and where's that kind of led you? Yeah, so uh, that's a long story. I'll try to keep it super short, man. Uh, so I grew, up in a, I grew up in a super broken home. Um, uh, I mean, my, my mom and dad got divorced at a very young age. And so, um, but I grew up in church. So my mom and I lived with my grandparents and my grandpa was a deacon in the church. And so he took us to church every Sunday. And, uh, and so at 13, um, that's, uh, my uncle was my youth minister and he asked me to give a sermon on a Sunday night when I was 13 years old. Huh. It was like a, a super small church service on a Sunday night deal. That's when we had different services on Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. Right. You remember mm. those days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so there were, I don't know, 50 people there or something. And I got up to preach and, uh, it was like the worst thing you could ever imagine. Okay. It was like, <laughs> I was supposed to preach for 30 minutes. And I think I sat down after like five minutes of <laughs> preaching and I gave them everything I had. I knew there was nothing else I wanted to do the rest of my life. Um, and so I, I never really looked back after that. Um, it, it was, it was really, uh, from that day on, when somebody asked me, what do you want to do? It was always preach from that wow. day forward. And so that's really when that spark was ignited in my own heart for preaching, for ministry, for serving Jesus. I had an incredibly supportive pastor that let me preach two or three times a year all the way through high school, uh, which that really fostered that flame, fanned that into, into flame in my own heart and life. And how, how old were you then? Would you have been? Uh, I was uh, between 14 and 17 years old. And oh. so 
um, it, it started out about once a year at 14, uh, 15, and then it started to get to about two or three times a year as I was 16, 17, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a guy in Vermont, USA, take a chance on me uh, right, after, uh, right after high school. Um, I got to go do a church planting internship there uh, in Vermont. And right before that, I had a best friend of mine. His name's Ian. Uh, he was actually at launch with me uh, back, uh, back in November. He uh, hired me as an intern at his church and let me preach every other week my senior year of high school, um, mm. which is just crazy. Like guys don't normally give people chances like that. And so I had, I had my pastor, I had my, my good friend Ian, who was several years ahead of me, but let me preach every other Sunday night at his church. And then in Vermont, a church planting internship where I also got to preach every other week at a new church plant. And so anyway, God used all those things and these mentors in my life to really, you know, spur this on. So my uncle at 13, my pastor all the way through, you know, just all these things, God, God led that, uh, you know, put these things together. And then at college, that's when God really began to uh, lift my eyes off the United States and onto the nations. Mm. And so I heard a guy preach, man, I don't remember his name. I don't remember his sermon. I literally remember him quoting somebody else. Isn't that how God works? Yeah. Right. It makes me wonder what, how God uses my sermons, right? Um, uh, but he quoted another guy that said, if you have but one light to burn, would you rather not burn it in a land filled with darkness rather than one fl- uh, glowing with light? Wow. And that was, that's again, that fire thing, right? If you've got one flame, if you've got mm. one fire, where are you going to light it? Where are you going to burn it? Uh, where are you going to uh, burn out the rest of your life, basically? And that's what God used uh, in my life to kind of set my eyes onto the nations to a, to a, to a place like India that, you know, is in, in the area I live is less than 1% Christian. Um, mm. And, and uh, there's more unreached people here than in any other part of the world. Uh, if you take India, Anthony, and the rest of the countries around it, there's about 11 countries that surround it. Mm. Over 65% of the unreached people in the world live in this region of the world. Yeah. And, and over 50% of the population of the world lives here, okay? Mm-hmm. So you've got half the world and 65% of the unreached people. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of, in a, in a short way, kind of what led me over here originally. Wow. Yes, I mean, I just, oh, I, I don't know, maybe over 15 years ago, I had the privilege of spending a few weeks in India and going out with some incredible fired-up church planters and... You know, but to go to places where literally they've never heard the name of Jesus before. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, I've been to I've been to places in Africa where I thought were you know, but actually, you'd go and you'd find there were churches there. But there's you know where you guys are. You're going into. So tell us more about the the the, the places, the ways in which you're you're now reaching out, the ministries that you're involved with. You know, yeah. what, what does it look like? Yeah, so I work with uh, Central India Christian Mission in India. Uh, my in-laws, uh, my wife's parents, started this ministry about 40 years ago. And in the last 40 years, I mean, our organization's planted um, in, in a traditional church planting method. Mm. Uh, about uh, We're at about, I think, 3,300 churches right now, something like uh, that, 3,300 wow. churches. Mm. On any given Sunday, there's about... 600,000 people that meet in a CICM church on any given Sunday, um, which is crazy. I mean, that yeah. was pre-COVID, obviously. <laughs> COVID, mm. who knows what's happening right now. But, uh, mm. uh, but so that's absolutely unbelievable, man. Um, 
I, so my main role in it is I help train our church planters and send them out. And, uh, and a part of CICM, I lead a, a department or a ministry called Ignite, which goes back to the fire theme you were talking about. Mm. How can we ignite the flames of the gospel in unreached places? How can we ignite the flames of the Holy Spirit in our church planters to empower them to go out and reach places that nobody has ever seen before? Um, and so about six years ago, Anthony, we, we kind of made a, a pretty big shift in our methodology on how do we go out and actually do this thing. Mm. And we, we really made a large shift from addition to multiplication. We were mm. adding churches, which is good. It's still a win for the kingdom, right? I mean, God is still uh, glorified. He's still doing amazing things. But we saw very early on that addition would not complete the task in India, and it won't complete the Great Commission across the world. There's no way that it will. Mm. Um, if we added churches, it would literally take hundreds of thousands of years <laughs> to complete the Great Commission in India. But multiplication and the exponential growth of the gospel mm. could do it much faster, much quicker. And yep. so when we made the shift, Anthony, like I said, we've, we've planted about 3,300 traditional churches in 40 years. When we made that shift to a multiplication mindset, uh, just in the last six years now, we've seen uh, about 4,000 new house churches started just in the last six years. Come on. Wow, wow. And so we, we planted more house churches in the last six years than we did in 40 years of the traditional church planting. Again, both those are awesome, and God is using them in amazing ways. And yeah. there are needs for both those things in different parts of the world. But, but God just blew this up. Uh, we're now at about 675, uh, 675 churches this year that have been started just in 2020. Um, and so that's that exponential curve, man. Once you get a bunch of people trained and equipped to go out there, it's, it's crazy what God does with it. Wow. 675 this year. Yeah. So far. That's fantastic. So, I mean, we've talked about a couple of things there that are kind of, I'm not saying they're only new things, uh, the only people sort of singing off this sheet, but there's obviously things that are central to new things. There's, the first thing I think I heard there really from your story was about hero making and yeah. that, you know, somebody believed in you, gave you space, did an ICNU kind of conversation. And you believed it, and then subsequently you've been pouring your life into other people. And then there's the uh, there's not only the addition mindset, but multiplication mindset. That that uh, and it really is thinking first. You know the way you described it is how is a first there's a change in how you think. Alan Hirsch would talk about that. Then there's got to be a change of, of practice. So um, really good stuff for people who are leaders to who are watching or listening to this to, to think, you know, what's my mindset? Am I, am I hero making? Who am I, you know, what's the, the, do I go to the youth group? Do I go to the, the, you know, to start and, and to reach out to people our mutual, another mutual friend and mentor, Oscar Murray, who, you know, he yeah. just talks talk, talk so much about starting younger and looking for leaders so much younger yeah. than often we do. Um, yep. yeah. And that's where you're going to get multiplication too. So, now I'm going to ask you a question around challenges. I suppose you know the, in the given. Let, let's have that COVID is a given for everybody. That's just a challenge. You know, that's just something that everybody has to kind of, of cope yeah. with. And it, and it may be a specific. It may be out of that. Um, or, or, or you know, as things have changed. But but um, what you know, what what challenges? What, what would you say uh, are, the, are the, the the things that you most 
kind of wrestling with or grappling with right now so we can be praying for you um what's the biggest challenge yeah yeah absolutely anthony um yeah i'd say i mean there there are several that have come up through this season um honestly it it's it's been really cool because many of the challenges like you said related to covid and things like that have really uh, actually opened up new doors that we would have never seen before. And a lot of times God uses these challenges to kind of increase opportunity, you know, where God, you know, where, where people, you know, shut a door, God opens a window, that whole saying. Um, I'd say, honestly, right now, one of our biggest challenges, which is directly related to COVID, but is, is different, um, is that we, we now have to rethink the way that we are financially supporting a lot of our planters because, mm. A lot of our a lot of our uh, house churches in India were directly relying upon Sunday offerings or Wednesday offerings or whenever they would meet, and all the way through COVID they couldn't meet face to face. And in a place like India, you know we don't have online giving and stuff like that. I mean people aren't able to give that way. And yeah. so we've had a lot of our church planters that were financially independent that were able to take care of themselves because of the offerings on Sunday that have actually gone backwards on self-sustainability rather than forwards just because of the of the challenges that uh that COVID has, has brought and so we've been trying to really rethink the way that we're going to do a lot of our stuff on the financial level in order to really try to make sure that these guys are able to continue to push forward continue to push the kingdom forward mm-hmm. and try to do it how can we do this with very little or no money in order to make sure that this continues to push forward and the kingdom continues to spread mm. Wow, yeah, that's a challenge, isn't it? I mean, we've got, you know, we, I'm sure there'll be people listening and watching in a Western context more who are kind of thinking, oh, well, you know, we've got the challenges of online, people aren't meeting face-to-face and they've already got financial challenges. But when you, you know, the, the, it's, a, it's a kind of a whole other, other level um, uh, to, to think in those ways. Um, I suppose, I mean... I would imagine maybe you're going to hear more miracle stories of provision too and those kind of things through that of, you know, just the Lord, yeah. you know, in some way sending the ravens and, and, you know, there's Absolutely. just, a, you know, there's those kind of things too. So we pray for that just for those miraculous interventions, but also for partnership, perhaps, you know, if there's people listening, um, I know you've not asked me to say this, but I think, you know, if there's a, how, how can people, you know, over here or in different places, perhaps, bless them or partner with, with with the things that you're doing to be able to you know if you've got a heart for church planting and wanted to to be able to help a church planting over there is the ways that that, that could be helped uh, directly could we do that yeah absolutely thank you for bringing that up man you're the man uh for for bringing that up um the, you guys yeah anybody who wants to could go to our website at uh indiamission.org that's mm. indiamission.org and, uh, and there, there are many ways that you could give online or you could reach out to me, you know, personally, uh, you could email me, uh, at J Howard. That's the letter J H O W A R D one, one, one at iCloud.com. I C L O U D.com. And then if you have any questions or whatever, we could talk through it. Cool. I just want to say then on the back of that, and this isn't a prearranged conversation. I want to give to that. I personally want to be able to do something because I know you guys are good soil and that what you're doing is, 
is so important. And so, you know, don't get too excited today. I've got lots of money, but, <laughs> but, but, but I want to, you know, be able to And it's that. recorded and it's recorded. I know, Anthony, I know. I know. So I'm, we're, I'm, we're I'm putting myself on the line there, like, you know, and uh, so the bank manager, you know, yeah, he, he's maybe heard it too, but uh, yeah. Okay. So what's the most exciting opportunity? Oh man, there's so many right now, brother. Um, I would say the biggest one, honestly. So we had a we had a traditional uh, church planting school that we were leading that that where people literally came to our campus and we trained them on you know how to go plant churches and all mm. of that, and then would send them out into the harvest to do that. And usually in a given year, we graduate. We had like four campuses in India. We graduate between. I don't know, 100 and maybe 120 and 150 students every year, something like that. You know, it just depends on the year. But this year, because of COVID, we, we weren't able to bring students back to campus. Yeah. And so we decentralized everything and started putting it in the local church as more like a residency program so that people could come to the churches and actually be trained and equipped there. And brother, it has been unbelievable. I mean, God has blown up this training Mm. Uh, instead of a hundred or 150 students, we're, we're probably looking at between four and 5,000 students this year in this program. Wow. Um, and not just in India, but we're starting small campuses in, you know, Nepal, Bhutan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Cambodia, like all over the place, brother. And so God, it, it was crazy, man, because God always works upstream. Like he always knows what's coming, right? None of this is a surprise to him. Yeah. And we started working on this new curriculum about two years ago, brother. And mm. it was meant for our residency program on campus. It wasn't meant for church. Like we weren't thinking in that direction, mm. but it was built perfectly for this. Like it was like we built it for this, even though we didn't. Um, and so God has just opened this up, man, and is doing just incredible stuff with it. And so this is going to expand the amount of workers we have in the harvest. I mean, yeah. I don't know how many times that is, but a whole lot, a right. whole lot of times. And what would be the kind of main, what would the, you know, so I, I, I'm get a hold of that. To, I, I embark on that training. What kind of things is it going to be? You know, because, you know, I'm involved with theological education. I'm doing a church plant um, things through WTC, and we try and keep it practical. But at the same time, you can get pretty deep theological. Uh, you know, what, 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 what do you think is necessary? What do we need to make sure that we're training people on in, et cetera, yeah. to be able to help them to be efficient, effective, and biblical, I suppose? Yeah, absolutely, man. No, that's a great question. So the the, I would say the distinctives in this program that we really try to focus on is, uh, number one, is this is completely and totally competency-based. It is not knowledge-based at all. So we're not, trying to, uh, we're not trying to beef up people's knowledge about the Bible, even though we do talk about the Bible and we study the Bible, mm. but it's all about putting it into practice. So it's obedience-based training. Um, Jesus said 2,000 years ago to go make disciples of all nations, he said, and teach them to obey. And so his whole point was go out there and teach people to actually obey what I'm teaching you to do. And so we want people to really be focused on two things. We want them to become who Jesus has called them to become and do Mm -hmm. the things that Jesus has called them to do. And so it's, it's, it's about identity and their purpose and action in the world. And so how do they be who God's called them to be and go do the things that God's called them to do? 
Um, and so we focus incredibly heavily, brother, on the moment they learn something, actually going out and doing what they've learned. And, uh, and so we have no traditional testing in this program. We're not giving them papers to fill out or, or papers to write. It is literally, they're literally tested completely and totally on, are they going out and sharing their faith? Are they going out and praying with people? Are they going to new villages? Are they starting new house churches? Yeah. Are they leading discovery Bible studies in their community? Like, are they doing the things that we're training them to do or not? And Anthony, what I'm so excited about, man, is in traditional education, when you hand somebody a degree, you hope that they're able to accomplish what you train them to do. Mm. You hope. And we won't hand them a piece of paper until they've already accomplished what they've been trained to do. And that's when they earn it. And so they earn it by what they do, not by what they know. Mm. Uh, and so, and, and I'll, I'll say one more quick thing about that. Um, in John, or I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter seven, when Jesus talks about the wise and the foolish builder, right? I've heard a hundred sermons about that man, about, you know, the wise man is he who builds his house on Jesus. Like you've got to build your life on Christ. If you build your life on anything else, money, sex, power, fame, whatever, you're the foolish man, it's going to fall apart, which is true. But that's not what Jesus was saying there, man. He wasn't saying build your life on me and not on, you know, other things. His only example that he used was that the wise man was him who heard the word and put it into practice. And the foolish man was the guy who heard and did nothing. So Mm. they both heard, but only one of them actually put it into practice. And so a lot of times, unintentionally, in education or even in the church, we design it in a way to create foolish builders rather than wise builders. We let them hear the word and never expect them to do anything with it. Wow. And that's very different what he's trained to do. And so that's kind of the distinguishing, you know, piece of this is really it's, it's deeply focused on obedience and, and competency rather than just knowledge. Man, that just turns so many things on their head in, in terms of what we've thought. Uh, you know, I, I often say I went to theological college, I went for three years and, was, and wasn't told anything about how to help everybody else to become a Christian, really. Certainly nothing about how to, you know, start or lead a church. It was just, um, you know, there was none of that. And, and, uh, like, and I mean, perhaps, as I say, what we're ending up with is, and there's a, there's, there is a phrase, isn't there, educated fool, and it's possible, I suppose, to be a really well theologically educated fool according to Jesus, not according to Josh Howard, <laughs> but according to Jesus. So that's, uh, yeah. Okay, so if I went out with one of your church planters for the day, I mean, I remember sitting in yeah, a... Absolutely. Yeah, you don't um, need to quote me on that one. That's <laughs> <laughs> So if I went out with... Um, one of your leaders, one of your, um, you know, one of these guys, um, you know, I've still got memories of doing that uh, from years ago. And it did feel like I was kind of living in the acts of the apostles again to be, you know, going and doing those things all those years ago. But what, what am I going to see? What am I going to experience? What's going to be the opposition I'm facing? As much as you can talk about that, you know. Just what's, what's yeah. it going to be like? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so it, it really depends on the area. So if you go, if you go into a, compl- let's, let's say a completely unreached area that has never heard the gospel, and this is our first 
you know, our first touch in a new, in a new area. Um, basically the, the way these guys do this, um, you're going to, you're going to experience things exactly like what you said, man, that are, that are straight out of the book of Acts. It's absolutely unbelievable. Um, these guys are going to go in there and, and they are going to be praying over people that are sick. They're going to encounter demon possessions. They're going to encounter all these things that you read about in the gospels in the book of Acts are literally within the villages that we're working in. And so a lot of times, um, like for example, even the students that I train, when I ask them their testimony, 99% of them came, my mother was sick, he prayed over my mother, she was healed, and our whole family came to Christ. Mm-hmm. Or my sister was demon-possessed. A pastor came and prayed and she was freed. And, and so my whole family came to Christ. Like 99% of the testimonies of our church members are like that. And so they can people that desperately need Jesus because these are the people that Jesus went to, right? I mean, he went yeah. to the, the sinful, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the, the sick, the, the demon possessed. These are the people that Jesus went after. And so they're going to go into these villages and really begin to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to move and, and, and move in power so that people are healed and set free. Uh, and then they're going to proclaim the gospel and, and, and just preach to as many people that are going to listen. Mm. Now, in some situations, you're going, to get open, you're going to get open ears, man. And in other situations, there are going to be some leaders in those villages that are very, very much against Christianity. They do not want them in there. Uh, they're going to threaten them. We've had pastors, you know, uh, we've had pastors beaten. We've had pastors that uh, unfortunately have been have been martyred for their faith over the wow. years, mm-hmm. um, and so they're they're literally risking their lives every single day for the sake of the gospel. But they're seeing things that none of us get to see, right? They're seeing things that are just mind blowing. When God moves in these areas, it's absolutely unbelievable. And so I, I uh, uh, preached a sermon a long time ago that basically said. You can't have Pentecost without Calvary, right? Mm. You can't see the power of the gospel moving in and the Holy Spirit falling without sacrifice. You can't, you can't have one without the other. Pentecost comes after Calvary. Amen. And so these guys are picking up their crosses every single day. They're seeing the power of Pentecost happen amongst them, but it's a massive cost and a massive risk that they have to go through in order to see that happen. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously we want to we we pray with you for you we want to learn from you and um, I think that you know so much of what the Western I mean I'm thinking Europe which is where I'm based and, and often we might look to one another we might look to um, North America etc for and, and and there's you know there's there's great stuff there that I'm very you know happy to connect with and learn from. Um, yeah, I, d- I do feel like there's a fire that you get through persecution and through suffering. There's a fire that you guys have got to be able to to pass on to us and uh, and that we need that. And maybe, you know, the COVID stuff for us is the, for, perhaps for some of us listening and watching, is that it's like the closest we've got to real problems in some ways. I mean, yeah, everybody has personal stuff, but I mean, nationally, uh, you know, the hope is it's going to kind of you know drive people literally to their knees. 
you know, that it's in those places that yeah. we're going to meet with Jesus. Um, but I also, you know, I'd love you, you guys, when you're praying for us to pray for some of that boldness and that courage and simplicity, I suppose, just to keep the simple gospel right at the center. And it's interesting too, that, that we you know what you're talking about there is, is fully charismatic in the sense that you, you know, you're talking about really praying for people with real demons. You're talking about people who need healing and praying for healing and not just saying to them, Hey, 2000 years ago, a guy called Jesus healed people like you. Yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) so read the Bible, you know, (laughs) it's like that. That's probably, you know, with the greatest intention, all, you know, that's not going to work. They can't read anyway, you know, but, but they do want to come, you know, so it's that coming with power, isn't it? I suppose it's uh, being, being there with power and with the power of the gospel. Yeah, exactly. There, yeah, and they're already, I mean, they're already serving millions of other gods and goddesses. And so what makes Jesus different? What makes him unique? Mm. Uh, and we, you know, a lot of people are fine adding Jesus that makes him different. And his power, his love, his grace, his mercy, all of these things make him unique amongst all the other gods and goddesses in the world. And they need to experience that. They need to see that. They need to wow. feel that. They, they want a God that they can, they can experience in their own lives, which makes that so much different than all the other you know, gods and goddesses that they worship. Yeah. And again, so much of our apologetics has been, my God's better than your God, but it's been aimed at the head. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just sort of coming into land, you know, there may be things that you feel that you really want to put across that, you know, sort of super important before you're done. But I suppose I'd kind of ask you, what does partnership with um, something, you know, something like new thing mean to you rather than trying to go it alone? What, what, you know, what's the power of networks? How, how does it actually work in networks where you are? Because again, you're sending people out into these places how do they kind of get a level of support and not just feel like they're being sent out as a lone ranger and it's up to them? You know, what, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the strength from networks? Yeah, absolutely. So, no, New Thing has been amazing. I mean, I'm, I forgot to mention this, but I'm, yeah, I'm the, I'm the regional director for uh, Central Asia for New Thing. And, mm. uh, and so I've been with New Thing, you know, I guess about six, I don't know, six years now, something like that, since you and I met, really. That's, yeah. that's when I've been with New Thing. And uh, it has been unbelievable to have a network, a global network of people that are on mission together. You know, so, so many denominations, man, they join hands on theology or what they believe about the Bible or about Jesus or whatever. And what I love about New Thing is that we just join hands on mission, the mission like that, but we are focused on getting the tasks done that Jesus gave us and so we all love jesus we're all on mission, and that mission should you know that mission should be the the priority above any sort of small petty theological things that we may you know have have uh in in uh you know in argument with one another or something like that the mission mm. should take precedence um i use the illustration all the time of of you know an army or a navy or an air force or whatever when you're in war it doesn't matter what like inner beef you might have with another you know brand of or another branch of the military. You're going to work together in the war in order to accomplish what you've been given to do. Yeah. And so in in the same way, 
that's what this network has done is it's really joined people together from all different types of backgrounds, the Air Force, the Navy, the, the Army, the Marines or whatever, in order to get them out there on mission together. And so, and then that's been absolutely unbelievable for our planters. And so these guys never feel like they're alone because we have these, um, you know, how it works locally is that we do this thing called 139, which we got from the, the No Place Left network. I'm also a part of uh, No Place Left. Yeah. And, and so 139 is basically each leader has three guys that he's pouring into, uh, maybe six or nine. He might have more than that, but he's got some guys that he's constantly pouring into. And then those guys have guys they're pouring into. So it's almost like this cascading waterfall effect of leadership development, mentoring, coaching. And so they've all, they've always got somebody that they're able to speak with, share with, pray Mm. with, learn from. Um, and so a network like that, man, you know, it makes it so that you're not alone, so that you're not trying to figure this stuff out by yourself. So that if something bad happens, you've got people to back you up, you know, uh, you've got friends on mission together, which is, I think, super important which is why Jesus never sent them out one by one. It was always two by two or more because you've got to have people on mission with you together. Yeah. So anybody listening, watching, I just want to challenge you on that and say, you know, don't tell me, oh, I'm part of a denomination or whatever. I've done that. And you can, I'm not saying don't be part of a denomination. If it's helping, cool. But are your friends on mission? Who have you got around you spurring you on to love and good deeds? Who are you regularly in connection with with regard to accountability? Again, not just to be a hero, but to be a doer. Who is it that's cheering you on? Who are you cheering on? Who's got your back? Who's praying for you? Who knows you? Who you know? And these are the things that networks get built strong on. I mean, Josh and I connect regularly. This isn't like, the, you know, the only time we, we do this. And I'm so grateful because every time there's an iron sharpens iron thing that goes on whenever we meet. And I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to do, I couldn't do this without without um, just a few people like this, maybe that we can we can regularly connect with and, and cheer one another on. So, Josh, this has been awesome. If there's one or two, uh, anything else you want to share before we're done, or I don't know, a resource you want to point people towards, you talked about new, uh, what, um, no place left. Maybe you might want to say something about that. Perhaps people don't know what that is or, or anything else that you kind of feel in the, in the closing moments you just want to in, encourage us with. Yeah, um, I'd say, yeah, it's, I'd say two or three quick things. One is I feel like, I feel like our planters are, are, experiencing the fruit that they're experiencing because of the amount of seeds that they're sowing. Mm. And I, I feel like at the end here, I want to encourage people in the West. Sometimes we wonder why, why isn't my church growing or why aren't people coming to Christ? And it's kind of like, I always ask them the question, are you having people go out into the harvest and plant seeds? You know, are you sharing the gospel? Because your, your harvest is in direct relation to the amount of seed that you sow. And so we train our planters, throw seed like a crazy farmer, man, like throw them everywhere, like throw seeds as much as you can, because that's going to be the harvest that you get. Um, And so I I really want to encourage people listening, just go out there with some friends and start throwing as much seed as you can, and you're going to get harvest back. You know what I mean? You're going to get fruit back. That Um, just reminds me of being with Moses Paulos, this guy I was in India, driving to a mission we were going to speak at, but all along every village we went through, he was driving it, but he would just throw out invitations literally out of the window, and he'd shout, and I'd say, I'd say what are you shouting? And he's saying, 
read it, read it, read it. And he'd be like, oh, come and see this. Come and people would run to go and collect these pieces of paper with like the details of it. But literally, it was like, oh, he's he's sowing seed, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, so good. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Throwing yeah. the seeds of the of the of the invitations out there. That's great. Yeah. Um, as as for resources, yeah, No Place Left Network is great. It's basically a group of people from all different types of backgrounds that really have a vision to see No Place Left without the gospel. So we, we have a vision and a passion to, um, you know, basically complete the Great Commission in our generation. And so how do we take the gospel to the places that don't have Jesus and see No Place Left without him across the world? Uh, so check that out, mm. uh, noplaceleft.net, uh, I believe it is. Uh, you can check it out there. Um, and yeah, a couple other things. One, a book that changed my life is a book called T4T by Ying Kai yeah. uh, and, uh, and uh, Steve Smith. So T4T, it's the letter T, number four, letter T. Uh, it's training for trainers. It's unbelievable. It literally is what shifted us from addition to multiplication. Ying Kai's a guy that in 10 years saw like 200,000 churches started or something, something crazy uh, like that. Um, Pick that up. And number two, uh, Pioneering Movements by Steve Addison. Steve's Mm. a good friend of ours, Anthony. Mm. You know, you you know Steve well, I do too. Steve is just unbelievable. And Pioneering Movements gives so many practical examples of how to actually create multiplication movements in your area and in your part of the world. I love it. It's one of my favorite books that he's written. They're all good. All Steve's mm. books are good, but Pioneering Movements, uh, really, I, I highly, highly recommend that one. So good. Ying Kai, I've just seen on his Facebook page, um, he's, I mean, he, some people who know, know him, he spoke at the first launch, and, um, and he, he's recently had a heart problem, and he's had some surgery, but he's come through that straight out of surgery and getting back on. He's on Facebook, and I noticed that he's putting on... Um, how to share your faith, how to do this. And he's just sort of on Facebook, you know, like this is how you create a movement. And, and he, you know, he's just sort of saying, just get the word out. Tell people about Jesus, pray for them, have a list. It just does like, and again, this stuff isn't, it's not um, hard to understand, but we've made yeah. it as if it's hard to do. Yeah, um, absolutely. And ultimately, you know, this is, is the gospel, it's the mission. And I'm, I'm, I'm always encouraged and inspired by uh, the way that you're doing that, Josh, modeling that. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I'd love everybody listening to, to connect, to partner, to pray with you, with Ignite, with Central India Christian Mission. And, uh, and, and check out those resources that have been mentioned too. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that the pioneering movements probably is Steve's best one too. It kind of summarizes so much of the learning from the other books too. So well, I would 100% agree with that. Josh, um, we love you. We thank God for you. I thank God for the partnership. And uh, I'm going to close this off now. But um, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Future Church podcast. Um, If you like this, then um, just share it with other people. Let them know it's been encouragement to you. Check out our other um, um, uh, interviews that we've done. And uh, we've got some more amazing people lined up. Um, to be on this and to be interviewed in the future, as well as the previous ones that we've got, Alan Hirsch, Danielle Strickland, um, so many people. Um, and remember, if you've not already booked in this year launch, you can come online from anywhere in the world on the 18th, 19th of November. We are going to go live with 
some fantastic speakers and the possibility of being able to interact with them in the room. So this won't just be talking heads or people. You'll be able to get in the room and, and ask your question of some of these incredible practitioners like James Emery White and again, Alan Hirsch, uh, Dave Ferguson, um, Deb Hirsch, just um, Ness Wilson. We've got amazing um, leaders who are going to be helping us this year and uh, we'd love to connect you um, to, to that. So, uh, yeah, go and, and check us out um, at, at launch. Um, I think it's launchcatalyst.org. I can't even remember, but uh, you can find us. We're like the A-team. If you, if you can find us, <laughs> you'll be glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. God bless you, my friend, Josh, and love to all the family, and thank you so much for this time together. No, thank you, Anthony. This was an honor, buddy. Thank you for asking me to do this, bro. Love you tons. And, and uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Future Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, listen back with your team and share it. Further thoughts and resources can be found at anthonydelaney.com.